0: We live inside a dream. Bring in that floating fat man, the Baron. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Uh, oh, God. Bring in that floating fat man, the Baron. Uh, <laughs> welcome to Stan and Dave Needs. Not the best intro. Uh, <laughs> wait, I is that a quote
1: from in. the film? Yes,
0: but I, I pronounced it wrong. Uh, so it's supposed to be bring in that floating fat man, the Baron. Mm-hmm. Not bring in that floating fat man, the Baron. The Baron? But I, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were uh, doing
1: a, the Baron like the Red Baron pizza commercial spoof.
0: No, no, I was just, uh, you know, welcome to Stan and Dave Need White dates yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, With your two dicks to, uh, who love
1: Kubrick and Lynch. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, this is a, a podcast about uh, Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch. Uh, and uh, my name is Eric Keppel.
1: And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. I, I like how that intro started us off. On about the same footing that this film starts you off on, which is confusing, and uh, you're worried,
0: <laughs> right? You're worried about like how, how this how she, is gonna go. <laughs> I, la- I I I laugh so hard at the part where she like comes back though, mm-hmm. uh, in like that that like opening monologue where she's like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> oh more, yeah, yeah, more, yeah. Uh, more stuff I have to tell you." That
1: felt like an early '90s Simpsons goof for sure. It yes, was, it was, had a very Simpsons vibe to it.
0: So, this is a podcast about uh, Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch. Today we are doing a, uh, as we go back and forth, week to week. Today we have finally reached uh, David Lynch's Dune. A lot to talk about. But Jeremy, I got a, well, first of all, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We're doing Gremlins, we're doing Krampus on there, we're doing uh, Tales from the Crypt episodes. It's a fucking great time. It's five bucks a month. Uh, head on over to patreon.com slash eric and jeremy uh it's a true
1: yeah. it's a it's a truly a joyful experience that i i don't think you get from this show eric
0: no no <laughs> i uh i let my hair down on the, on uh-huh. the patreon episodes yeah. right now it's tied tight in a uh samurai tales. style oh <laughs> yeah, t- yeah. <laughs> samurai pigtails <laughs> uh so jeremy i uh you know I made a couple of. I went on a little shopping spree recently. Ooh! Uh, and I bought some some stuff that um, uh, I will be consuming for the show. Uh, so I am on meth today. <laughs> uh, I was like, "What the fuck are you talking
1: about? You bought something that you're going to consume
0: on the show? I don't know. Bad word choice. I did purchase. I pulled the trigger on the old uh, the old uh, bl- Blu-ray Twin Peaks uh, oh, Z to man. A. Box set with like 10 hours of behind-the-scenes footage and uh, fucking everything, everything you could possibly want from a Twin Peaks box set. Coming in the mail tomorrow. I'll, I will report back, but I bought a couple of books, Jeremy. I bought um, Room to Dream, which is, I believe, a David Lynch uh, kind of like a loose autobiography or something uh, uh. from what I gather. I got a collection of interviews for, uh, with Stanley Kubrick which I'm very excited about. That's great. Uh, yeah. We know that he's like it was a very elusive man, uh, especially later in his career. And then I also got that book that uh Kubrick's like assist former assistant or whatever wrote mm. about his relationship with with Kubrick. So
1: That's great. That's a that's, yeah, a, that's so, a good Hey man, that's a good haul,
0: baby. It is a good haul. I'm decking the halls. It's holiday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh jingle yeah.
1: bells. Batman smells.
0: But yeah, I needed something to uh <laughs> to start fires with. So I was like, well, I'll buy some stuff that's like relevant for the uh for the podcast. That's cool. Um, no, but I will uh I will be reporting back uh as we as we go through those. You know what I want to do is I I'm I'm started the Kubrick interviews and I want to work my way up to like uh what we're doing next which is paths of glory i believe Mm -hmm. and i want to be able to like talk about what kubrick uh has to say about each film so hopefully we'll see we'll see what happens yeah
1: Uh, no that's that's gonna be really cool and i can't wait to hear you share that insight with me about sort of where he's at it'd be interesting to see through those interviews too if he like grows at all or you see him like i don't know uh be inconsistent or anything weird. You know what I mean? Like as a per, as people we're often not the most consistent, you know, we change a lot. We change our minds a lot. I remember reading one interview about, uh, clockwork orange and then another interview about full metal jacket. And he kind of changes his mind about how he views the world between clockwork orange and full metal jacket. Like the whole thesis of clockwork orange is that like, um, you are inherently bad. Like a person is inherently yeah. a bad person. Like, and even if the society tries to make you tame and good, you'll still always have that animal inside you that you, that will, you will revert back to. And then he says in the thesis of full metal jacket, it's like, no society is what changes you. You, everyone starts out as good. <laughs> uh, the military is what's cor- corrupts young men's minds. And then it's like, yeah. So I think, you know, it's like, it's it's fun. It's fun to notice that in, in an artist over time.
0: Right. Um, exactly. So I'm excited for that too. Uh, that did give me an idea for like a little segment that I want to do right now, Jeremy. Uh, just a little, a quick little game that I thought would be fun. Uh, I, I, uh, I found five quotes uh, from either Stanley Kubrick or David Lynch. And Jeremy, I'm going to read each quote. I would like you to guess who said it. Okay. Sounds good. Uh, when a man cannot choose, he ceases to be a man.
1: That is Kubrick.
0: That's Kubrick. Yeah. Uh, It's a mistake to confuse pity with love.
1: That's Lynch, right?
0: Try again. That's Kubrick. (laughs) You got it. Yeah. Uh, I believe in creative control. No matter what anyone makes, they should have control over it. That's David Could Lynch. Could be either. That's David. Yeah, Lynch. it is David yeah, Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Uh the very meaningless uh, the very meaninglessness of life forces man to create his own meaning.
1: I think that's David Lynch.
0: Um I forgot to write down who who it was. Oh, so I... <laughs> I had to Google it. It, it. It's Kubrick.
1: It is Kubrick. Uh, oh, it is whoa! Kubrick. I would have never. You know what? For some reason, I would have never guessed it. He was a mean. Uh, life is meaningless, guy. I would have not thought <laughs> yeah. that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so the last one. Uh, this is an easy one. Uh, my name is Stanley Kubrick, and I directed <laughs> The Shining. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that one has to be. Wait, no. This is a trick. This one's uh, This one's a uh, Robert Altman.
0: No, nah, it's David Lynch.
1: What the <laughs> fuck? I like that game. That's a good game.
0: That's an, uh, an installment of uh, "Who said it?" Who said it? Kubrick or Lynch <laughs> edition. Uh, uh, so we have a lot to talk about here yes. with Dune. Uh, so I'm I'm antsy to dive right in uh, real quick. Uh, this is the Orwell year. Uh, this this Dune came out in '84, just like uh, Gremlins, which we just talked about. Very fun episode. Uh, which I think came out a week ago from when you're hearing this. I love gremlins, baby. Oh yeah. And you know Uh, what? It
1: honestly, it makes it not to plug our Patreon again, but it makes a good companion piece with Krampus. They're, they're really (laughs) similar. I think
0: (laughs) it actually does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like they, like I could see that at a double feature somewhere at like the new Beverly or something.
0: Um, I had a great time with, with both of those movies, uh, a surprisingly fun time watching Krampus. By the way, yeah,
1: about. I kind of felt, I kind of knew going in that that was going to be a, a a a new classic in the Schmidt house, a new go-to okay. Christmas. I, but even though I hadn't seen it before, I I kind of had a feeling. I was like, I've heard enough good people talk about this movie in, in a positive way. Um. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that. But we're not here to talk about that. No, today we're talking all about Spoon, the 1984. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, it's it's, it's, it's uh,
0: Stoon. No, we're talking about Spoon, the band f- with uh, Brit Daniel or mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever his name is. Uh, so, 1984, uh, average price of a mo- movie ticket, $2.50. Wow. Could you imagine uh, the original Apple Macintosh personal computer went on sale. Uh, Colonel Joe Kittinger becomes the first person to complete a solo transatlantic flight in a helium balloon. Whoa. Uh, the MTV Video Music Awards started. And some of 1984? the other films- This is 84. Um,. Gremlins, uh, The Terminator, Ghostbusters, Beverly Hills Cops, The Nightmare on Elm Street, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Spinal Tap, Sixteen Candles, Karate Kid, Paris, Paris Texas, Children of the Corn. I think I read this exact list on our uh, Gremlins episode. Yeah, well, because uh,
1: Gremlins came out this year, so yeah. uh, very it, good. Uh, also, year like for film. also like indie classics like Paris, Texas, and Repo yes. Man came out. Blood Simple, man, this was one of the best years in film ever. And yeah. Dune
0: didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> so this was the first year that I realized that Paris was in Texas.
1: Yeah, I always thought it was in uh, France.
0: Yeah, no, it's not.
1: Sorry about that, my guy. I totally forgot I put something in the oven and then started this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a classic uh, mistake classic to make. You know, mistake. Jeremy, while you were uh while you were gone. I was looking at my phone and I I had a couple of I had a couple glasses of, of wine last night, oh. uh, the alcoholic kind. And uh I opened up I don't know if this ever happens to you, but, like, I'm continuously surprised by, like, what the last thing I had open in my, like, browser was. Oh, sure. (laughs) Uh, And I guess last night, before bed, I looked up Harvey Weinstein Penthouse Los Angeles.
1: (laughs) Well, you're in the market to buy, right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was, uh, I think I know what this is for. There's... I I when I deli- when I delivered for Postmates in uh for a while in, in when I lived in LA, I delivered food to like a fat white man in like a a penthouse in one of the nicest buildings in town. Oh wow. Uh and I was like pretty sure it was Harvey Weinstein. Uh But yeah, anyway. Wait, so uh, do you ta- do you
1: really think it was Harvey Weinstein?
0: Well, that's what I was trying to figure out. Now, after looking at this, uh, I, I see no record of of him living in this building. <laughs>
1: I thought you were gonna say you see no record of him ordering a burrito. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it was crazy. I remember it because it was like it was like an eighty dollar like meal, basically. It was do like you, for do like one person?
1: Where was it from? Where was the restaurant?
0: It was from some fucking place that I had to drive very far into the hills for. Oh, great.
1: Great. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. do you think that uh, fat white men are the richest demographic in the
0: world? <laughs> uh, definitely white men. Uh, pro- pro- probably most of them are fat. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, all right. So Dune or Dune.
1: Dune? Yeah, or Dune, as some might call it.
0: Uh, screenplay by uh, screenplay by and directed by David Lynch.
1: Oh, baby, uh, he wanted he did double duty on this one. He wanted to <laughs> he wanted to take on as much of this project as he could.
0: So this was a while in the making, and uh, it went it exchanged hands a few times. So the original director was Ridley Scott, uh, who left the production after his older brother suddenly passed away. Uh, Scott wanted to start uh, working as soon as possible, but Dune would take far too long to reach production, so he decided to instead work on a little film called Blade Runner. Yeah, uh, sounds about so, right. <laughs> yeah, probably a good a good call. Yeah, uh, starring uh, so the film stars Kyle MacLachlan. Uh, it's his film debut. Virginia Madsen, Francesca Anis. Uh, we get Brad Dourif as uh, as no,
1: I know how uh how awesome was it seeing him huh
0: it was great <laughs> it, it was so good uh, and then uh, sting of course is fade uh, Rotha jeez Louise um, you know I read uh I read dune and I gotta say like one of the most uh, fascinating parts about watching this film for the first time for me was uh, realizing how wrong my, the pronunciations I had come up with in my head was oh, for sure. literally everything.
1: What was uh, uh, what did you pronounce? How did you pronounce Mohadeeb?
0: Mauddeeb I actually got uh, pretty close.
1: Oh, that's what it is,
0: Mauddeeb? It's like Maud, yeah, like Mauddeeb. deb. Yeah. I thought
1: they kept Maud-deeb. saying Mohadeeb in the movie, but maybe oh. I'm
0: wrong, yeah. Yeah, you must have been watching a different version. <laughs> yeah, I was watching <laughs> Frank
1: Darabont's Dune. The <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, uh I will say I'm not going to talk uh, about the the book too much, but it's um I will say that this movie is like very faithful uh pretty faithful to the book. It's actually like a lot more faithful to the book than I expected it to be just because uh Lynch is a wild man. Um so it was kind of. So wait interesting a minute. To I, okay,
1: I, I gotta ask a question then right off the bat. So first of all, I, I did you like this movie?
0: <laughs> I, despite what everyone is like, what everyone else thinks and everyone has told me about this movie, I fucking loved this movie. You did love it. Okay, interesting. Yeah.
1: So, but without a doubt, you you admit that this movie does not do a good job of onboarding you, right? No. Like, it's very hard to understand what's going on. Is the yes. book that way? Because the book is a classic. I People seem to love the book.
0: The book is dense as hell, and uh, not just from, like, the content of it, but I almost gave up on it a couple times early on because you it has, like, an appendix, or, a, like, its own glossary, basically, where... Uh, you are like learning this whole new terminology that like none of it makes sense and you have, it, it takes a really long time to get into it yeah um but it does pay off i will say and this is this is how i feel about this movie and i'm interested to see what the like new dune that comes out in 2020 is going to be like because my theory is i don't think that dune I don't think that that book can be made into properly made into a film that like everyone is happy with. Um, oh, you
1: think it's un, uh, almost undoable?
0: Yes, because there's just so much exposition. Like this movie is like so much exposition. And like you said, like you were still had no idea what was going on. Um, there are parts where uh, basically the first half of this movie uh covers like a pretty not he- significant section of the book. And then in the second half of the movie, there's like huge chunks of the book that are just condensed into like, um, mm. very small pieces of, uh, dialogue or, or what, ha- or mm. montages or whatever. Um, and I will say would, that and like, you
1: would recommend the book though, right?
0: I would recommend the book for sure. Definitely recommend it. Um, there's a good podcast out there called Dune boys, by the way, I have to mention them because they. Uh, boys. I'm a fan. But uh, but yeah, and uh, it's worth noting that Lynch's cut was, I think, between three and four hours. I believe I don't have the exact time on it, but he had it's, to. They it's had to still, cut.
1: It's still three hours. <laughs> right. Well,
0: two hours and fifteen minutes or something.
1: Oh, I thought. Are you sure? I thought it was three hours long. Oh. I, uh, sure. I when I rented on Amazon, I remember at one point I paused it and I'd watched fifty-seven minutes of the movie. And I had two hours and seven minutes left. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, maybe uh, I'm wrong though. Maybe I maybe I misread like the 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 time at the end. Maybe it was. All, maybe the whole movie is two hours and seven minutes long.
0: Yeah, it says two hours seventeen minutes on.
1: Okay. IMDb, yeah, yeah. All right, all, but, right, uh, all right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, the point being is that uh, one of the main reasons I think that David Lynch kind of disowned this movie is he they cut so much of it out. Like it. He, like, kind of was able to do all of these things that he was excited about. Um, And then, you know, it was just kind of, like, whittled away uh, by studio heads and what have you. Um, I mean,
1: mean, that sucks, but there's a lot in here. (laughs) I mean, I would say that even though he probably did get creative control taken away and a lot of what he filmed ended up not in the movie, I would still describe this movie as... A fil- an auteur getting away with murder
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah Yeah um, Yeah and uh, I forgot what I was going to say But yeah uh, so I want to talk about um, Real quick about Kyle McLaughlin uh, Because this is the first Time that Lynch uh, and him Collaborated uh, Who there will be certain characters That come up in the Lynch universe like Laura Dern who we'll be talking about in the Blue Velvet episode uh, who Lynch um, takes a liking to and kind of are involved in, in, in his work. Naomi Watts is another one. Um, So Lynch, wa- uh, McLaughlin was 23 when he was in this movie, which is crazy. Wow. Uh, so David Lynch discovered McLaughlin when the actor was in his early 20s with no TV or movie credits to his name. Lynch took a gamble and cast McLaughlin in, in, in Dune, taking the actor with with him to his next project uh blue velvet uh so in a gq interview with kyle mclaughlin he said the first screen test i did i had never seen a film camera before (laughs) before i was looking down the barrel of the camera and i went completely blank uh david came over to me i told him i don't think i can do this david and he said to me you're gonna be great it's going to be great. You're going to be fine. I know you can do it. That little pep talk is this is something that has continued in our relationship together. Uh, David gives me the confidence to do things that I'm not sure I can do. Uh, that's David. What wow. I love about that little like anecdote is like that. <laughs> that is a uh, not what people say about Stanley Kubrick. No, at all. <laughs> like no one has ever said that about Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, um, uh, and I think both. Uh, both uh, uh uh directors are able to get like really good uh performances out of out of actors so it's interesting because they have like very different uh techniques
1: yeah D- yeah that's that's interesting I, I i actually agree with that that they get very good performances they also get kind of similar performances i think a lot of times um yeah i don't know yeah i feel like it seems like lynchs the acting in Lynch's film seems to get is derived from like almost like inexperience a lot of times from the performer. But then like in Kubrick's case, it's usually just exhaustion. Like, yeah, like, yeah, you, you, you make the actor say the lines so many times that it holds no meaning to them anymore. But um, right. But yeah, that is really interesting. Also, I noticed that uh, we have is Brad Dourif never used again in a Lynch movie or is he in Wild at Heart?
0: uh i don't know to be honest with you
1: because that seems he like might... a match that would be made in heaven right like i know that durif was definitely a big a, a friend of herzog's oh wait so. was
0: he he might be in blue velvet yeah know. he might
1: be in blue velvet i also uh what's the guy that um the guy that's married to the lady with the eye patch and twin peaks is in this movie too
0: oh yes yeah she is i forget her name no no uh, no the guy the guy Oh, hit, uh, Oh, Ed. Ed. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. So uh, estimated budget of forty million and grossed thirty one million worldwide. <laughs> uh, so this film took nine years and lost, or four years and lost nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was filmed at the uh, at a studio in Mexico City. Uh, included a soundtrack by the rock band Toto. That's and badass. Brian Eno. Yeah, Brian
1: Eno, I think just does the song, the prophecy song, which is played yeah. when Kyle McLaughlin sort of becomes his new Super Saiyan self, and um, yeah, it's really good. Like it fucking rules. Brian Eno, do you? Do you like Brian Eno?
0: I like Brian Eno.
1: Yeah, I think he's he rocks. I think he rocks hard and steady.
0: The dude uh, can rock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's uh, he's pretty good at rocking. Uh, Upon release, uh, Lynch disowned the final film, uh, stating the pressure from both producers and financers, uh, restrained his artistic control, and denied him final cut privilege. Uh, in 81, the nine-year film rights were set to expire. Um, okay. So after seeing The Elephant Man, producer uh, Lore- Laurent Laurentiis... Uh, decided that David Lynch should direct the movie. Around that time, Lynch had received several other directing offers, including Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Uh, He agreed to direct Dune and write the screenplay, though he had not read the book, known the story, or even been interested in science fiction. (laughs) Uh, I... I do, I do think that this movie uh, much like The Elephant Man is like really important uh, in sort of like the formation of what we now come to expect from like a Lynch movie. Um, Interesting. It's yeah. So Dune was supposed to be the original idea was like it was going to be a trilogy and I think that that kind of uh maybe affected the uh production of this film. Like there is so much exposition in this movie mm-hmm. and it's almost as if it is just intended to like lead up to, to, to some kind of a series. Um but since it was such a failure it obviously that didn't happen. Um
1: yeah. Man, I can't believe oh, so David Lynch legitimately Alan Smithied this film. Like he actually Yes. Do you know the history behind Alan Smithy? How like directors use that name as a pseudonym for the, yeah, like a yeah, code, yeah. as if they did not want to be credited. And he actually exactly. used it. That's that's crazy.
0: Um, can you imagine? Uh, I think about David Lynch's Return of the Jedi a lot. By the way, <laughs> I just like picture it in my mind, and I think. I'm really, really glad. I'm actually very glad that Lynch did Dune rather than Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I would fucking love to see a David Lynch Return of the Jedi from, like, 1984. Oh, it w- yeah,
1: it would be crazy. Although, I mean, it, I, th- I think it's interesting what you said about how this is, like, a very formative film for Lynch and, like, kind of... You kind of see, like, maybe where Lynch is going to go stylistically or something after this movie. But I think this film is like, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for Dune, David Lynch's career would look so much different. Like this is the film that defines David Lynch's career. I don't think it's a razorhead. I don't think it's Elephant Man. I think it's the failure of Dune that puts him in a position where, well, a studio is not going to give him millions and millions of dollars again right? Mm. He's going to have to like raise money, but that's going to be good for him because he's going to have complete creative control. He'll also never take a project again under like studio promise because he's going to want creative control after this like disheartening experience. So I think this pushes him further into like the weird independent world. What do you think? Do you think that checks out?
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that completely. Um. yes. Yeah, because well he never, he never
1: does... I, 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 the next movie he'll make on this caliber, I guess is a straight story, right? Where like he's making a movie for Disney, but other than mm-hmm. that, all these other films are like, you know, completely his vision untampered with, you know, Blue Velvet, Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, Wild at Heart, Inland Empire, uh, and then, of course, the Twin Peaks television show. So it's like, it's like after uh, yeah, I feel like Dune is like the the
0: last the
1: last straw. Like he won't he was not going to work with the studio again after this.
0: Right. Yeah. Um so Val Kilmer turned down the role of Paul Atreides. <laughs> uh let's see. The Tendons, this is just random trivia. The Tendons visible when Paul hooks the worm were made from condoms. <laughs> uh 200 workers spent 2 months hand clearing 3 square miles of Mexican desert for location shooting. Uh, they filmed for about a year in Mexico with high elevation. People were getting sick from the water. Uh, it sounds like it was pretty unpleasant. Uh, as a result of its poor commercial and critical, uh, reception, all initial plans for sequels were canceled. It was reported that Lynch was working on the screenplay for Dune Messiah and was hired to direct the second and third films. Um... Despite being considered a financial flop, it is the David Lynch movie to make the most money in, in, <laughs> in its initial box office run. Very, <laughs> and it lost millions of dollars. That's yeah. very funny. Um, yeah, and uh, yes, I think I already mentioned Lynch spent about four years uh, working on working on this movie. So, a uh, long time.
1: Yeah. Nothing in so, comparison
0: to Racerhead, though.
1: Which was, I believe, a seven-year project.
0: Yes, seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Jeremy, I think it's time we put on our still suits and uh, dive into the uh, mm-hmm. dive into the plot of this bad boy. I'll get my soon. armor on. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the uh, What do you think of just like the general the the production design of Dune?
1: Um. I like it okay. It's it, it it's weird because it it does get pretty weird at times. But I almost want it to be weirder, more. Like there there's a lot of like I don't know. I I hated that, like the like the kind of like pseudo almost American military outfits that like the people on. Gosh, I don't know any of the. I can't remember any of the names of the places. But Arrakis, like Arrakis, like the original, like the planet where Paul is from.
0: Oh, uh, when you see like
1: all the dignitaries the and stuff in the beginning, things. and they're all like, they're like wearing decorated medals and stuff. I'm like, why do they look so normal, but the backgrounds look so crazy? But I love like all the red haired people, like, like I thought I thought their like costume designs were amazing. Anytime, like we saw those like little like alien brain vagina mouth guys and yes. all of their like weird bondage <laughs> men that that come with them. I loved all that. Uh, there's a great there's a great documentary called Jodorowsky's Dune. Have you heard of this? No. I oh haven't. man. Okay. So it's like it's like before David Lynch got a hold of this. I think is the story. Um, uh, Jodorowsky had, like, a run of, like, concept art and stuff for what would have been, what was, like, basically a failed Dune project. Mm, Yeah, so Jodorowsky's Dune is the 2013 American French documentary. The film explores the cult film director Alejandro Jodorowsky's unsuccessful attempt to adapt and film Frank Herbert's 1965 science fiction novel Dune in the mid-70s. So this would have been before David Lynch got a hold of it. But it's like, it's like they got they got pretty far in wanting to make this movie originally, and it looks like it looks spectacular, and and like I think there's parts of this film that look really spectacular. But like sometimes like like the ships don't they they just look okay. But then like others, but then like some other stuff looks great. You know, I thought all the weapons looked terrible. <laughs> Like, those, like, little yeah. handguns that they use. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was mixed on it. But I I will say, though, watching this, like, film, stoned as a jaybird <laughs>
0: was the way to go. Because
1: it, it is, like, yeah. it is something else when you're high.
0: Yeah. I... Uh... And that's the, the main thing that I love about this movie is just like the general aesthetic of it. I really like the production design. I yeah. love the uh, the costumes. Uh, I I just, I could not, uh, it. There there's certain things about it too that are just so, it feels a little like steampunk to me. You know what I mean? Especially uh-huh. when they're on Arrakis and there's, uh, I don't know, there's just certain things. Like the Baron, uh, to me, it felt like, uh first of all, it was nothing uh compared to the vi- like nothing like the vision I had in my head of of the Baron when I read the right. book. but um, he's like almost like a video game uh like final boss guy. yeah
1: yeah, <laughs> like and he's, he's... he like
0: reminded me of Ro- Dr Robotnik, basically. Oh
1: for sure. yeah, um, I think the Baron truly disturbed me. Like I think I think that was a very effective I thought everything with the Baron and his and his people, the I, I guess what are they, the Arrakis people?
0: Mm, yeah. Uh anything. No, Harkonnen? The Harkonnen the Harkonnens, <laughs> yeah. yeah anything
1: with them I thought was very well done. Like I love that they all had the same kind of weird red hair with like bald in the middle. And like Yeah. and I don't know, like that that sequence where the Baron finally like when you first meet him and then he flies into the air and then you see him like go up to that young boy and just like he the guy starts bleeding everywhere and he's like rubbing his face like like I all that stuff was like I wish the whole movie was like this but a lot of it is like close-ups of Kyle McLaughlin and and his whispering thoughts (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) But like uh, but there are parts that I thought were that were again super effective. and I thought that all the Baron stuff was like really good. And the way the Baron acts is fucking crazy. Like even when he's in public talking to regular folk, he's like still screaming at the top of his lungs. It's super wild.
0: Yeah, he's insane. Um, he's crazy. Uh, so we start off uh, in the distant future, the known universe is ruled by uh, Padisha Emperor the uh, IV. The most important (laughs) substance in the empire is the drug known as melange, or the spice, Mm -hmm. uh, which can extend life and expand consciousness. Yeah. Uh, The The spice. The spice. uh, (laughs) The most profitable and uh, important of its properties is its ability to assist uh, the Space Guild with folding space, which allows safe, instantaneous interstellar travel. Yeah. Yeah. Normal, pretty normal stuff. Yeah,
1: not a lot uh, to take in right away. <laughs>
0: no, not at all. Uh, the guild fears a conspiracy that could jeopardize uh, spice production and sends an em- emissary to demand an explanation from the emperor who confidently shares his plans to destroy House Atreides. Uh, the popular... The popularity so wait, wh- of, where in
1: the movie are we at this point?
0: I'm trying to figure that out. Is it... Okay, uh, so
1: who is the emissary? Is that the... Is the emperor the guy with the beard and the emissary is the the weird yeah. butthole monster? <laughs> is that right? I think so. Okay. I think, yeah. So, are the, is the butthole monster guys, are they like their own race of alien? Or are they people who have ingested so much spice they turned into that?
0: I think the latter. I think, yeah, it's spice. Uh,
1: Spice-caused, is sp- it?
0: Spice-caused, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. There's going to be, like, people who are, like, people who know about Dune, like, <laughs> really know. know about Dune. They're not going to like this uh, they're not going to like this at all. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, yeah. So, this is, yeah. Okay, cool. So, this is, and I, I was confused right from the jump at, like, so, the Emperor, he tells the person, hey, I'm going to kill, I'm going to destroy House Atreides. But they go back and forth for a while where the guy's, like, saying all of Atreides. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't, yeah. I guess... So it was the original plan to just kill the duke, and then it turned into, oh, we actually have to kill the sun, too.
0: Yeah, because I think it was discovered that, like, uh, Paul is, like, the fucking... Chosen, uh, chosen one. Chosen person or something. Uh, Shadam's plan is to give House of control of uh, the planet Arrakis, also known as Dune. Uh, the only source of spice... Uh, Once they are installed on Arrakis, he intends to have them ambushed by their longtime arch enemies, the Harkonnens, with assistance from the Emperor's elite troops, the Sardaukar, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I can't remember how they pronounce that in the Mm -hmm. movie. Uh, The Guild Navigator uh, commands the Emperor to kill Duke Leto's son, Paul Atreides, a young man who dreams prophetic visions of his purpose. Uh, the execution order uh, draws the attention of the Benny Jesuit Sisterhood as Paul is tied to their centuries-long breeding program to produce a super bean, the Quizatz Haderach. So, okay, this part I understand, kind of. Okay. So, Paul's mother, uh, Jessica, I believe, um, was supposed to have because of this, like Benny Jesuit, this like. Long line of women who can like, uh, who who have these like uh, psychic powers and whatnot. Um, was supposed to have a, a a daughter, and she instead had Paul, uh, because that's what her husband, the Duke, wanted. Um, and it caused this whole this whole tension. So, uh, before Paul leaves for Arrakis, he is tested by the Je- Benny Gesserit Reverend Mother, uh, mohim. Mm-hmm. Mo- Mohaim uh, by being forced to place his hand in a box which includes excruciating pain. Uh, what do you think of this?
1: What what part is this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> the box. When uh, when when the lady when the lady has Paul put his hand in the box.
1: That's right. That's his mom? Filled with no, that's pain. the reverend No, that's mother. not his yeah, mom. I yeah, you, yeah, I got yeah. you. I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really understand what it was, but to Mohaim's surprise and eventual satisfaction, he passes the test. Okay. So, I, did, I didn't really understand. Um, you got to keep in mind, bud, that, like, they aren't telling you anything. No, they're not. So, it's really uh, hard to yeah. tell, like, what... I assume this was some sort of test and that he passed. But I didn't know what it was for, where the test came from, what they were actually testing with the pain his
0: uh humanity it, it, i guess oh is like,
1: so like how would yeah. you fail this test
0: <laughs> by taking your hand out ah um but yeah because she says that when he when they're done she said it's the most like pain she's ever seen someone endure or whatever from it right um cool okay but yeah it's uh one thing i forgot to mention is uh as <laughs> with all great movies uh when people went to see this film, uh, they not only received a ticket, but they also received a little leaflet that, like, explained the terminology and, like, the background of some of the stuff that was Hell going on. Hell yeah,
1: dude. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's
0: exactly what you... I can't think of a single movie where that's ever uh, happened to me. Um but yeah, that's 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 not 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 a great sign. Uh, although, if anyone out there has one of the original Dune uh, handout, oh <laughs> sheets, yeah,
1: Let us I know. would fucking
0: love to see one of those. Uh, so to Moham, I'm Mohayim's surprise and eventual satisfaction, he passes the test. Uh, so yeah, meanwhile, on the industrial world of Getty Prime, the sadistic Baron Vladimir Harkonnen tells his nephews, Glosu, Rabin, and Fade Ratha... Uh, about his plan to eliminate the Atra- Atreides uh by manipulating someone in house Atreides into betraying the duke um yeah pretty straightforward which is cool i like we get this some, we get i like some sting this okay. action. Yeah. yeah yeah um um
1: and that's the, and the guy who portrays him is the guy with the dot on his forehead right
0: yeah yeah uh yes Forgetting his name, but yeah. Um, the Atreides leaves uh, their homeworld, Caladan, for Arrakis, a barren desert planet populated by gigantic sandworms. Uh, the native people of Arrakis are called the uh, Fremen, a mysterious people who have long held a prophecy that a Messiah will lead them to freedom. Uh, upon arrival on Arrakis, Dune, uh, Duke Leto is uh, informed by one of his right hand men, Duncan Idaho, that the uh, Fremen. <laughs> have been underestimated. Duncan Idaho is a great character. I like Duncan Idaho. He's uh in the mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. He he's like way scrawnier than they make him out to be in uh in the movie. Yeah. I What's
1: think. his character in the book? Cuz in the movie he's just sort of like a guy.
0: <laughs> I think he's more of a like more of like a fucking like fighter like soldier kind of mm. like more uh like survival like fighter kind of guy like they have him uh, in the new movie fucking uh, Jason Momoa is playing Duncan Idaho oh cool 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 so like that kind of a guy that's so that's more what I was picturing when I was reading the book but yeah Momoa um, yeah Momoa Uh, there are in fact large numbers of them and they could prove to be powerless allies Uh, Duke Leto begins to gain the trust of the Fremen but before an alliance can be established the Harkonnens launch their attack uh, the Harkonnen's traitor with uh, House Atreides. Dr- yes, Doctor Wellington Yu, uh, Yui, uh, Lido's personal physician, uh, disables critical shields and destroys uh, sonic weapons, leaving House Atreides uh, nearly defenseless. Uh, in the attack, uh, Idaho is killed. Lido is captured and nearly all of House of Treatise is wiped out. So we're like three quarters of the way through the movie right now, maybe like two thirds of the way through the movie. In the book, this is like the first (laughs) maybe quarter or fifth of the book. Yeah. Like this movie, it's a lot of it is like the first half of the book and then they just like kind of gloss over a lot of shit.
1: Interesting. Okay, yeah, I I feel like um, our... So that's, so yeah, we are, we are pretty like early in the, mo- or we're pretty late in the movie is what you mean. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. I felt like we were, yeah, I, I remember this, this is, I like the, um uh, that like that little weapon that ends up killing
0: the duke. Is it the sound? Uh, yeah, thing? it's a thing. Yeah. Like
1: if they make a sound, then it'll chase yes. after him real fast or something. Yeah, that thing was kind
0: of cool. Yeah, that's cool. I like uh, that. I
1: like that yes. I like that Kyle McLaughlin like grabs it when he's like kind of being chased by it himself. You know.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's fun.
0: Um. So while uh, Lido, where was Jared Lido? Yes. Uh, While well captured. Jared Leto uh, <laughs> dies in a failed attempt to assassinate the Baron Harkonnen using a poison gas capsule planted in his tooth by Dr. Yui. That was so uh,
1: crazy in the movie, dude. Do you remember that? Yes. When he yeah, like yeah. He, he like has a
0: hole in his cheek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird uh leto's concubine lady jessica and his son paul survive the attack and escape into the deep desert where they are taken in by the siege of fremen uh paul takes on the fremen name uh Deeb and emerges as the leader for whom the fremen have been waiting uh he teaches the fremen to build and use weirding modules uh sonic weapons developed by house Atreides. uh and begins to target spice mining production.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. This is
0: so much. I'm, like, realizing, <laughs> like, I read this book not even that long ago and just watched this movie, and I'm either, like, have forgotten some of this or am, like, still confused by a lot of it. Um,
1: I mean, did you... I um. I, th- I So one of the parts... I th- the part that we're at right now in the film is sort of like that big moment where he sort of re- realizes he's like the the chosen one or whatever, right? And he starts to like yeah. rally the men. It. Yes, and, uh, the friend, yeah. And he like blows up that little like uh, pyramid thing, that rock pyramid mm. thing. And like, I think this is when he like fights the worm,
0: right? Uh, yeah, I think we're getting to that point. Uh, oh, that's
1: not yet, okay.
0: I think. I think yeah.
1: this, it happens.
0: Maybe, I
1: yeah, I don't know. Something yeah, it's like yeah, he fights like that worm. I remember that. And so this, yeah, this is a, bl- this is like an epic moment in the film, right? This is yeah. supposed to be a big epic moment. I I I liked it. Uh
0: so over the next 2 years, uh Spice Production is effectively halted. Uh the Space Guild warns the emperor. So this is where they kind of just like gloss over a lot of a lot of shit, mm-hmm. but uh, the Space Guild warns the Emperor of the deteriorating situation on Arrakis, and they fear that Paul will consume the Water of Life, a powerful poison used by the Bene Gesserit, to help induce their abilities. Uh, the meeting is revealed to Paul in a prophetic dream, uh, but then the dream suddenly stops, and... Uh, or the dreams, suddenly stop. Shaken by the absence of his visions, uh, he goes out into the desert, drinks the water of life, and enters into a trance. Uh, Cool David uh, Oh yeah. sequence ensues. Uh, Upon awakening, uh, he is transformed, uh, uh, obtaining powerful psychic abilities and the ability to control the sandworms. Um, Have you ever seen Tremors, by the way?
1: Oh, yeah. This is very tremors like those yeah. worms. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what do you think of yeah What do you think of the worm the worms and tremors versus these worms?
1: I like these worms better, honestly. I actually do. I actually yeah. think these worms rule. I uh, I thought that was the one thing that was really really working for me was the design of the worms and how big they looked and how like whatever Lynch was doing, however he was like filming this, whatever trick you know. Uh, Technical trick he was using to like make the uh make those the worms appear to be giant in the background and then in the foreground you have like people, you know, it looked really yeah, good, yeah, yeah. it looked very good, it looked real uh, to me. I don't know, I thought the special yes. effects held up very well.
0: Yeah, I like the worms, I like the worms <sighs> as well. The worms and tremors are like scarier, I will say, but I do think the dune worms are like cooler. Just general, overall, more cool. Yeah. (laughs) I would hang out with these worms. Uh, They're nice guys. Yeah. Shaken by the absence of his visions, uh, he goes, okay, we did that. He is uh, control worms. Paul also regains his ability to see into space and the future, and learns the Emperor is amassing a huge invasion fleet above Arrakis to wipe out the Fremen and regain control of the planet. Uh, as the Emperor arrives uh, at Arrakis, Paul launches a final attack against the Harkonnen and the Emperor's Sardaukar uh, at the capital of Arrakeen. Lynch doesn't do action very well.
1: I think, <laughs> I think no. that's
0: what I, what I think about Lynch doing, uh, doing action.
1: Yeah, I, I, don't know. yeah I, I tend to agree. He also doesn't have a lot of um, moving shots in this film a lot of not a lot of moving camera so a lot of the film is stationary like on a tripod um and to me it just does not work it makes the action look intentionally stupid like when you have like this like still shot of a bunch of soldiers running it looks like monty python (laughs) kind (laughs) of
0: yeah 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 um there is that thing, though, with David Lynch, um, and I'm excited to uh, talk about this more in Blue Velvet, um, and I think we talked about it in Eraserhead as well, where he will, like, certain things, and I don't know if any of this happened in Dune intentionally, but he will insert, like, certain very fake-seeming, like, set pieces or, like, elements uh, of a shot that, that are just, like, obviously fake just to, like... I don't know, just just to like fuck with your mind or whatever. Like sure. the classic exa- example is like a um, robotic the, the uh, bird, bird and, yeah, yeah, blue velvet.
1: Yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. It, the, the most of the it's it's hard to tell like what is that and what is uh, ba- just like bad um, set design. But like I, I th- a lot of the, I, I thought the set design looked pretty good like throughout the whole thing like i don't know it's it's just weird to see like When you think of like interesting or unique set design, usually people like, okay, like Tim Burton comes to mind, right? Like that's Mm. a guy, or Wes Anderson, where it's like, ooh, you can like see it. You can pick out a Tim Burton movie from a mile away. This is like its own thing that like never quite caught on or got super popular, but it's like it is still very Lynchian. Like almost all of the designs for like the monsters and stuff to me feel like kind of something you would see in a racer head or an elephant man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, one thing I'll say about, like, the production, uh, and I've talked about just the way that this movie looks, but, like, I've never been just, like, a huge uh, sci-fi person. Mm. The sci-fi movies that I do like the most are, like, like this and, uh, you know, the uh, Blade Runner, mm-hmm. uh, two out of the three, first three Star Wars films. Um and the, I, I'm learning that they all t- they all like came out around this time, which is interesting. I think I just like this era of sci-fi and the way sure. that things look and the the practical effects and stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, well, that makes um, sense.
1: Uh, it, it, it is cool because there are still like practical effects in this in this era. So you get a lot of like really cool, interesting looking stuff that that goes away. You know, like like. 20, 30 years later, you'll never see practical stuff hardly ever again, so. Right. Yeah. Um, And
0: all of the effects on our podcast are practical, by the way. I just Mm want to. Yeah, practically, practical jokers. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, impractical jokers. Uh, (laughs) Riding in on sandworms and brandishing their sonic weapons, uh, his Fremen warriors easily defeat the Emperor's legions, uh, while Paul's sister, Alia, Alia. Kills Baron Harkonnen. Alia's dope. I like Alia yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. God, I hope I'm saying Alia right. Um, is that the girl he's sleeping with? No. <laughs> no, this is his, <laughs> his, his like, little sister. No, I got it. Yeah. Um, she's, yeah. like, she's
1: like creepy as hell.
0: Right? Yes, who I believe... Yes, uh, she's got the crazy eyes. Uh, who I believe... Our, our buddy Brian tweeted that she's the original Baby Yoda, which that's <laughs> oh, yeah. very funny. That's very uh, good. So once in Arakeen, Paul faces the defeated emperor and uh, engages Feyd Ratha in a duel to the death. Uh, it would have been funny if at some point Sting's character just said, like, don't stand so close to me or like something. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> so like an obvious nod to a police. Uh, yeah. lyric. That's um, great. After killing Fade, uh, Paul demonstrates his new newfound powers and fulfills the Fremen prophecy by causing rain to fall in Arrakis, and Elia declares him to be the Kwisatz Haderach. <sighs> The what? Kwisatz <laughs> Hatterack? <laughs>
1: what the hell? What are you? What are you talking about, Eric? Are you, are you having a stroke?
0: Kwisatz <laughs> Hatterack, a massionic figure in the Bene Jesuit religion, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah. Okay. What? What do you? What do you think of Dune, Jeremy?
1: Oh man. Um. This. There's a lot to like in this movie. I mean, I. I think that it's. It's almost a shame that it's okay. I think the greatest crime that Dune commits is being boring. It's a lot of it is very boring. It doesn't help that what makes it so boring is that you don't know what's going on. A lot of times I found myself like looking at my phone or wanting to turn off the film because I just simply didn't know what was going on. Um which is a shame because there's a lot, like there's a lot of great visuals. There's a lot of also great corny visuals too. Like the Patrick Stewart fight with Kyle MacLachlan, yeah. is so fun because it looks so stupid. But you know, it's, it's it, it is hard to enjoy that long, like a two and a two and a half hour long film, where you just don't fucking know what's going on, and you have no way in, and you have no idea like what emotions the characters are feeling from their performance it's basically you're left up to like what they're telling you and they're using words you don't understand so i kind of uh i kind of agree with uh with most people's assessment of the film is that it's like this hot fucking mess but that doesn't mean that i don't love like huge parts of it i love the worms i love the kind of the concept of the movie in general i love the idea of spice i love the i love the baron um i think i love i think i love kyle mclaughlin's performance in it too he's so weird he's like such a weird guy uh i mean we know this from just having spent so much time with kyle mclaughlin throughout the 80s and 90s and 2000s like he we yeah, know he's we like grew such up a, with him. we grew up with him he's a weird guy he's a weird performer uh he really comes into his own there in the late 80s and like he's just so he's so fun in this movie and raw uh the weird cameos from like huge actors like max von Sydow, uh jack nance again uh patrick stewart very strange choices throughout this whole movie but yeah i guess like my overarching thing is like i wish it wasn't so boring i wish there was no voiceover in the whole movie that really bugged me the whole time is that like you get like the inner monologues of every character in the film for some reason (laughs) like yeah uh, that's a
0: big thing in the book is they can like uh, like re- some of them can like read each other's thoughts and stuff, and th- hence the like the whispering or whatever. Like the right. Features. Oh,
1: so when when we heard that, were we supposed to conclude that there was someone was hearing that thought?
0: I think so. Yeah, in some cases, yeah. Like the uh the le- the fucking is it the Benny Jesuit the like sisterhood? Um, yes, the Benny Jesuit ladies, the bald ladies with hoods on could like read minds or like hear your thoughts Gotcha. because like remember when they go in they go in uh jessica and that other benny Gesserit lady uh Mohaim maybe go in and kyle mclaughlin's like sleeping mm. and uh she's like she just knows that he's awake
1: right 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 yeah
0: so like they have the ability to like read uh thoughts or whatever um but yeah
1: awesome so yeah that's kind of what i thought about it what do you think of dune eric
0: i stand by i still love this movie i gotta say a reading through so what i loved about this movie was uh at, like just the general vibe of it is just very uh i just it, it just tickled me jeremy i just really enjoyed it um and the production design, but I did really like this movie uh, because I read the book because it actually made the book make more sense to me. And uh, I'm a stupid person. I have like a I have like a learning disability, and like uh, not that that makes you stupid at all. But like, <laughs> it makes it like hard to like I I like can't. It's it's hard for me to focus on shit, especially like something as dense as Dune. And uh, after seeing the book and the film, and now reading through, uh, like I said, reading through this synopsis, I like still don't f- really know what's going on. But it made more sense after watching the movie. Like I, I, I get it, but I can't explain it. And I don't know if that's necessarily like a good, <laughs> a good thing. If this, it, maybe it's like overcomplicate and overcomplicated. It's certainly an overcomplicated story if you want to include all of its like elements in one single film like I just don't think that that can be done properly I think this is best suited for like uh, I think it's best suited for like a limited series or a a fucking TV show which that's not something that I would say about a lot of things Um, actually in the opposite order I think a lot of TV shows in limited series would be better as just a single film but this just needs more it's just, they have, you have to do a ton of fucking exposition in order to properly do Dune, and you can't get, like, a good balance of, like, entertainment and exposition with, like, the amount that you have to jam in there in two hours. Right. Uh, it's just impossible. Um, I love this movie for, uh, like, we talk, what we talked about, like, how uh, with David Lynch's kind of, uh, how it kind of, like... Uh, Inspired or affected The rest of his career And he kind of did this big budget Sci-fi thing and uh, You know didn't get the final cut And was very kind of Over the over just big Hollywood blockbuster movies Uh, Because he's not like a blockbuster movie person Um, And I also just love The uh, sort of uh, Conception of the McLaughlin-Lynch Relationship I think is really fun Um so yeah, uh, I apologize for uh, j- just like butchering pronunciations <laughs> and just general explanation. I feel like having read the book, I'm the- supposed to have been the one who like explains things. And I, I-, I-, I couldn't explain a lot of stuff because <laughs> it it's just too much for, for my tiny brain. Um, but yeah, I- overall, I, like this- I do like this movie a lot. I think it's like a very interesting relic of uh, cinema. Um, so yeah, that's, that's Dune for you. Awesome. So Jeremy, uh, before, before we log off here, uh, and we're both, we're doing this over AOL instant messenger. Right. Um, yeah. Before you, do- yeah
1: before you hear that door closing sound effect.
0: <laughs> yeah. Stay <laughs> I forgot about that. Stay tuned for our next week. Our guest is a smarter child. Um, <laughs> Do you have anything to plug, Jeremy?
1: Oh, just the Patreon again, uh slash yes. Eric and Jeremy. Uh, also, check out one of the uh, any number of the uh, amazing shows that uh, I, I I produce slash uh, I'm the host of Video Games a Comedy Show. As I feel like a good companion show to this show, if you like video games. Uh, listen to Connor McCabe's Call Me By Your Game podcast. It's a little bit more of a serious-centric video game podcast. Also, Stories But Shorter, hosted by Cassie Jerkins. It's a great uh, podcast if you like short stories and and, and short stories read by authors. Uh, but, yeah, that's about it.
0: Cool. Yeah, check out the Patreon. Uh, we got a bunch of crazy good uh, shit coming up. We're talking Krampus. Uh, Krampus, yes. Very excited. Um, my so man, check it out. Krampus. Kramp <laughs> Daddy. Uh, so with that, I will say the sign-off line, which is, Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. <laughs>